You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. chasers of light to the purveyors of pictures to all of you listening from around this world this is the f11 photography podcast i am your host mr kevin deal (laughs) mr kevin deal that's a weird one I am your host, Kevin Deal. Notably absent from this audio-only podcast today, Mr. Brandon Gorey. Yes, Brandon has absolutely no idea that I'm doing this podcast. I am going to talk today about the Fuji X106. But first, a word from our sponsor. Harness the power of artificial intelligence with Luminar Neo. Artificial intelligence is the buzzword in the photography industry right now. It's becoming so widely used in our industry, it's hard to tell when it's hype and when it's actually an effective tool. Luminar Neo actually uses AI for good by giving you easy to use modules that are powerful and improve your photography. And now they're happy to announce the introduction of Generace, which is their generative AI fill. What is Generace? It's a smart personal assistant that will help you remove unwanted distractions from your image. Unlike a standard erase tool, it leverages the power of AI to fill the gaps with textures and other elements to match the surrounding area. You'll easily get realistic results because Generace is analyzing your photographs to make sure that the results look realistic, mimicking patterns and objects that it sees. In addition to other powerful modules like Relight, Powerline Removal, and AI Masking, Luminar Neo is on the cutting edge of artificial intelligence, but it's not just a plugin for Photoshop. You can actually use it as a standalone program with a catalog organizer and all that. It also has presets. Use the code KEVIN10 at checkout or check out the link in this podcast to get 10% off your copy of Luminar Neo today. Hey, this is Vanessa Joy, and you're listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. All right. I am back instead of we are back because Brandon uh, isn't in this pod today. Uh, This is going to be an audio only pod. I wanted to talk about a really cool subject to me, which is the release of the Fujifilm X106. Now, If you've been living under a rock and you haven't been paying attention to the photography world, you may not have realized that the X100V or 5 uh, had a, it was a bit of a hard time getting a hold of one. And uh, the issue there, I'm, I'm putting words in Fuji's mouth, but I'm pretty sure I know what happened. It got released right before the pandemic started. And 
While the pandemic started, I guess a lot of people got into photography because they had nothing better to do because they were on lockdown. And upon uh, doing so, a lot of them discovered the X100V, which if you're not familiar with what the X100V is, it's a uh, camera with a 27 millimeter, I'm sorry, 23 millimeter F2 lens on it, which is the equivalent of 35 millimeters, so slightly wider than a normal field of view. F2, the maximum aperture, it is a fixed lens. There are not interchangeable lenses on the X100V. And so it's just, hey, go pick this camera up and go shoot. Don't think too much, just be uh, in the moment and, and, and go shoot photography. And of course you have really pretty film, film simulations and all that. A uh, little expensive, uh, but we gotta judge what expensive is because when Fuji released it, I wanna say that the uh, street price on it was like, I don't know, $13.99, something like that. Uh, but as we all experienced during the pandemic, uh, there was a parts shortage. And Fuji made these cameras in Japan. And so while this camera was blowing up, Fuji was unable to get parts to actually build it. So uh, you got to imagine uh, being in their shoes. It's like, oh my gosh, we have a product that is going through the roof in sales, but we can't make it. And that's exactly what happened with the X100V. Um, and I, I guess we call it a V, but it really, I guess, is the X105 because they made like an X100F, I guess, for first, X100S, uh, for second. I don't know. It's, it's, they, they not really sure why they kept changing the, the designations of the names, but they did. And so it's kind of the ultimate street photographer camera, you know, just a tiny little pocket camera that has really high quality. And while lockdown was happening and while Fuji was having parts shortages, uh, a bunch of influencers on TikTok and all that really took to this camera. And as you know, when something goes viral on TikTok, it can start kind of a, a revolution, right? And so the X100V had that revolution. Everybody wanted one and yet nobody could get one. And so you go to Facebook Marketplace, you go to um, eBay, and you see these things listing for like two or $3,000. That is just ridiculous. And it spilled over into other models because uh, the X100V is like a, a uh, I guess it's like a generation four sensor. So kind of like an X-T4, an X-E4, uh, but fixed, right? And there are some cool features about the, the way it's slimline and the way that it has like the ND filters and all that. But uh, you, you could go out and buy an XE4 and like a 23 1.4 and you get an extra stop of light and you'd still have a small profile. And so uh, I was actually looking at getting an X100V and then I started seeing the prices and I was like, man, there's no way I'm doing this. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And so I decided against it uh, I briefly looked at XE4s, but then all of a sudden, the hype behind the X100V started spilling into the sales of XE4s. The XE4 should be like a, what, a seven dollars $800 camera. You're starting to see them, you know, go for $1,100 or whatever, and it's like, man, I'm not... I'm not buying something on the secondhand market that doesn't have a warranty, and it's twice as much as what I could have gotten it for new. Um, so while all this was happening and this stuff was hyped up, uh, Fuji decided that, okay, well, we cannot mass produce these in Japan. We need to source new parts. And they decided that they wanted to source the parts and build a factory in China. Now, take that for what you will. I know that there's like a negative 
uh, connotation behind it. People are like, oh, something's built in China. I won't buy stuff that's built in China. Uh, personally, my philosophy on stuff that's built in China is, yeah, there are some cheap things that are built in China, but the entire world has decided to make China their designated manufacturer for almost everything. And so you have uh, a lot of skilled laborers in China who have spent now generations manufacturing things. And I'm really seeing this in the LED world with LED lights. I'm seeing LED lights that perform just as well as uh, more expensive LED lights, like those cheap Chinese LED lights. They have tint control. They have a lot of things for color accuracy. Their CRI ratings are very similar to other brands. Uh, there's still the occasional cheap thing that comes out of China. But I think in general, while you can still have a stigma around certain things made in China, I also think that you're lying to yourself if you deny that there are actually some good things coming out of China. And yeah, Fuji has screwed up a lot of things in my opinion. Um, obviously not, it's not like they could anticipate the pandemic. Nobody did. Nobody anticipated the pandemic. And, you know, companies that didn't have massive stockpiles, they, they suffered. And that's exactly what Fuji did. They suffered. I can't imagine how much sales they lost on X100Vs not being able to have those in stock. Now, thankfully, it looks like the X-H2, X-H2S, X-T5 sales have been pretty healthy. Um, so that's good. We want we want companies to succeed. Uh, I always root for companies, even companies that I don't buy. Like, I don't buy Sony. I don't buy Nikon. But I want them to succeed because if they succeed and they come up with really come out with really cool cameras with really cool features, that means that the companies that I like, that I use, like Canon and Fuji, have to react. And they have to make... Uh, cameras with the same features. Otherwise, people are just going to go over to these other brands. So competition is a healthy thing. And uh, we don't want Fuji to fail, right? It's good. Uh, Fuji has gotten a lot of people into photography uh, who may not have gotten in otherwise because they just decided to go all in in a different way. And you could like it. You could not like it. I personally shoot Fuji for my personal work because I just enjoy the colors. Uh, and then I shoot Canon for my most of my professional work. But the big announcement the other day from Tokyo is that Fuji is coming out with the X106 uh, VI, for all of you who don't understand Roman numerals. It's, it's six. It's the sixth, uh, I guess, the sixth version of it. And... Like the original, it has that same 23mm f2 lens. You can adapt the telephoto and the wide-angle uh, adapters to it, which are, I don't know, three dollars $400. Uh, you have the hybrid 0.66x OVF, uh, and it has the 3.6 million dot OLED EVF. It has Bluetooth connectivity. It has Wi-Fi connectivity. Uh, instead of the X processor 4, you have the X processor five image processor. You have the 425 intelligent hybrid uh, AF points. Uh, the tilting screen, I guess, has a little bit more articulation down now, which is great. It's a three inch 1.62 million dot tilting touch screen. Personally, I think uh, Fuji's touch screens are kind of lame. I don't like using Fuji's touch screens now. I will, you know, if I put my hands on this, and we'll talk about it at the end of the episode if I'm going to buy one. 
We'll see if this has a better touch screen capabilities, but on my X-H2 and previously on my X-S10, I've just turned the touch screen off because I found that it's just made things kind of worse than it makes them better. Uh, there's 20 film simulations built into it, and like the Fuji GFX 102, it comes with the Reala Ace film simulation, which makes me happy because as an X-H2 owner and a Fuji GFX 100S owner, I do not have that film simulation. Now, I did see on Fuji rumors that in the middle of 2024, they may be giving uh, X-H2 owners that Reala Ace film simulation. And if that's true, that probably means that there's not going to be a new X-H2 for any time uh, soon or an X-T6 or a new X-H2S, uh, which is fine because they're good cameras. And I really hope that Fuji spends time focusing on improving those cameras. Uh, I, I did see some people who are disappointed that Fuji came out with this new camera. I personally think that they had to because think about all those secondhand sales that uh, they weren't getting money on on the X100V and the fact that they couldn't find the parts for it anymore. I mean, Fuji had to make this camera. Like, that's a no-brainer. You want the company to be healthy. You want the company to keep doing well. They had to make this for that audience. Now, now that they've done this, now that they've made that GFX 102, I know that there's a lot of X-Pro uh, users who are waiting in the wings for the next next version of, of, of that, that camera. But I personally want to see Fuji focus on uh, improving their autofocus algorithms because I think that Fuji cameras track well. I, I think that Fuji cameras track well. They don't track as well as my Canon cameras, but they do track well. It's when I hit that shutter release that all of a sudden the autofocus gets confused and it's like, I'm going to move a little bit. And then their eyes are out of focus or whatever, despite the fact that you're shooting at something like F8. That is clearly an indicator that the camera somehow screwed up. And I've said it in my YouTube videos. I've tried uh, watching Paltatech videos on, uh, you know, hey, maybe it's just me, right? I'll go learn Fuji's autofocus again. And I didn't learn anything new from the Paltatech video because I already knew how to use Fuji's autofocus system. But uh, when you've crossed everything off the list, uh, you still have to say, maybe it's me. And I, I, I did that. I took that step. And the Fuji autofocus, in my opinion, for what I do, still is subpar. Now, if you're a landscape photographer, you do zone fo focusing, where you, you know, keep things uh, at F8 and you don't need to use the autofocus really, then you probably don't care about this. But for somebody who shoots models, who flow pose, who are constantly moving and the camera has to track their eyes, Fuji's autofocus uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Now, moving back to the X106 VI, whatever the hell you want to call it, um, they say it has the latest and greatest autofocus algorithms. And that's that's awesome. Uh, I'm happy for Fuji there. And uh, newly announced with this camera is that it has in-body image stabilization, five axis. I think it said in the release uh, up to six stops, which is pretty awesome. Um, it looks like that you have uncropped video from 4K, uh, up to 4K 30 frames per second, which... For what I do, I mean, that seems that seems like that would be a cool camera to take with me uh, when I shoot YouTube videos and I'm like showing myself using another camera. I could just take this tiny little pocket camera and like that X100V. Something that is really cool is that you have up to four stops of internal neutral density filters. I wish more cameras uh, would put internal NDs inside. You can really only get those in high-end cinema cameras but you're actually able to get them in this new 
X106. I think that's fantastic. I think I'm glad that they, they kept that. Now back to the video, if you shoot anything beyond 4K, 30 frames per second, if you go up to 4K 60, if you go up to uh, 6K, which it does shoot 6K, uh, you get cropped uh, a little bit. So keep that in mind. You have a crop sensor with a crop, uh, so it, it can get kind of tight, kind of quick. Uh, the base ISO, 125, extended up to, or I should say up to 12,800, and then you can extend that lower to 64, and you can go higher to 51,200. I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, the maximum aperture, of course, of f2. In most cases, that would be just fine. So uh, one thing that uh, some people find disappointing about it uh, is that it just uses uh, the UHS-1 as opposed to the 2 uh, for the SD slot. So if you're hoping to get like a really badass uh, SD card and taking advantage of that, you're not going to get that in this. Uh, I don't really see myself ever using this camera that way for stills anyway. Uh, I think for stills, you don't need the two. Uh, for video, that could be an issue, of course, uh, overheating, stuff like that. So, But, I mean, unless you want to just shoot fix 35 all the time, I mean, do you really want this camera primarily for video as your primary video camera? I would think not. There's better options out there. So some people are complaining about that. Uh, are their complaints valid? I don't know. I think it's perfectly fine as is, uh, but that's just me. Uh, one thing that's controversial is that it uh, still uses the old NPW126S rechargeable battery. Yes, this is the same one that Fuji's had for a decade. Uh, they have not updated it. Now, I'm a little torn on that because I do like the new battery because it's more robust. It has longer battery life. They say that this gets approximately 310 shots on one of those small batteries. Uh, not a huge fan of those batteries. And I actually saw some people in the comments saying, I'm not getting the camera because of the, the battery. Personally, I'm like, whatever. These batteries are so tiny. I can just keep extras in my pocket. I've never bought or not bought a camera based off the battery um, because 310 shots, like the only time... Uh, I would freak out about a camera having a battery life of 310 shots is if I shot sports and I, and I used my drive mode and I was shooting uh, lots of frames continuously. Uh, I don't think you're buying a pocket camera <laughs> to do that. And so I think that's much to do about nothing. Uh, but Hey, uh, that's just me. Uh, also the size, it's a tiny bit larger uh, and it's a tiny bit heavier than the original X100V. Uh, I did see Gordon Lang's review, and he said that while it is bigger and it is heavier, he didn't really notice much of a difference. So uh, I guess I'll have to put my hands on it to make that determination. And then, of course, the big thing about this also is that it has a 40.2 megapixel sensor, so it's like my X-H2. Uh, now, to me, I feel like, wow, I could use it alongside my X-H2, or maybe you're an X-T5 user. You could use it alongside your X-T5 and then have uh, equal file sizes. So that's something to keep in mind. But, you know, the, the original appeal of the X100V to me is that I it's a, it's a storytelling camera. It's like, uh, I just want to go out and tell stories. Uh, to me, uh, in the Fuji world, 23 millimeter, uh, the focal length uh, is the equivalent of 35, slightly wider than a normal field of view. To me, I look at that as a positive. I think that's great. Uh, I like things to be slightly wider than a normal field of view uh, because you can always crop, right? But 35 also doesn't give you, and in this case, 23, it doesn't give you insane 
warping. It's still fairly straight lines. Uh, some people like in the full frame world, 28 millimeter. To me, I feel like 28 millimeter pulls you a little too far away from your subject. Uh, and in Fuji, I believe that's 18 millimeter. So uh, I, I think that's totally fine. Your minimum aperture is a F16, maximum aperture F2, all the same there. Your front filter thread size on that lens, 49 millimeters, nothing changes there. Same, uh, same, same, same optical design, eight elements, six groups, etc. So uh, I think it's a cool camera. Uh, do I think it's uh, overpriced? Well, it comes in at $15.99. And uh, you could make the argument that uh, things have gotten more expensive, and you'd be right. Things have gotten more expensive. Manufacturing has gotten more expensive. And you have a legitimate argument here saying, but they're making it in China now instead of in Japan, and the price went up, not down. Also a valid argument. Is $15.99 a ripoff? Well, if you're not gonna use this camera every day, I would say it is. Uh, it's a camera that you need to take with you everywhere, in my opinion, for it to be worth $15.99. Uh, it comes in two finishes and a special edition model. Uh, just like uh, the X100V, uh, you can get it in silver, you can get it in black. Uh, I personally think that if you're gonna hit, get a hipster camera, you gotta get it in silver. Uh, and then they have a special edition version of it that has uh, your serial number on the hot shoe and it has a little logo on it and then your lens cap has a logo on it. And for that premium, you pay an extra $400, 1999. Uh, to me, I couldn't care less about a limited edition version, but being that there's so much hype around this camera, I guarantee you that's gonna sell out in a matter of seconds. Um, because people love their X100s, uh, that whole body. And it, it's a cool body. So uh, I, I definitely think that uh, it's it's worth looking into. Uh, if, 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 you're, if you want to get like kind of an everyday street street photography camera, uh, you know, it's got the weather ceiling and all that. So uh, I, think, I think it's pretty cool, in my opinion. I think uh, it's going to be a hit, obviously. Um, but, uh, another, another thing, uh, that, that stands out is that you have a recording limit of 45 minutes and 4k, which I think, and I, I've never owned the X 100 V. So if I'm wrong, just tell me about it in the comments, but I think there was like a 10 minute recording limit on that. And so, uh, that, that's cool. Um, I don't know if it has the frame I O integration in it. I don't remember seeing that, but uh, I think Fuji just needs to start putting the frame.io integration into all their cameras because uh, they have a on the on the X, XH2 they have a stupid um, a stupid battery grip that you can buy. It's like six hundred dollars for a battery grip, and the only thing that differentiates the six hundred dollar battery grip from the three hundred dollar battery grip is that you can wirelessly transfer files. Now in the uh, GFX 102, they integrated it into the camera and. Uh, the frame.io thing, uh, having your stuff go online, uh, wirelessly backing up all your photos and all that, uh, I think that's great. But if Fuji really wants that to take off as a technology, they just need to start putting it in all their cameras. Because I, I briefly looked at that, was it the XT file transfer battery grip for the X-H2? And you go online... And you watch a tutorial video on how to use it. And it's like, oh, you got to set up an FTP server. And then you have to have this kind of router. And it has to use this type of protocol. Like, a lot of photographers are just creatives. They want to go out there and shoot. And it looks like you have to know a little bit about networking and routers and setting up IP addresses and all that. And so I, I don't think that that's going to be a hit 
I don't know if I'd necessarily go as far as to say it's a money grab by Fuji as much to say as that it's just a massive blunder and that they massively misread the market because the average photographer doesn't want to have to do that. Yes, there are photographers who are very technical people who do understand how to set up IP addresses and all that, but let's be honest, we all know several photographers who just like to go out there and shoot and have fun and they want things to be easier for them and they want the technology to do that behind the scenes stuff for them. And I think Fuji did do well on that with the new launch of the X app. Uh, I think the X app is an incredible, uh, it, I think it's the first uh, camera uh, uh, app for a phone that doesn't suck. I think Canon's getting there. I, I have no experience using Sony or Nikons, but I've heard mixed reviews on those. And the old version of the the Fuji app was an absolute abomination. It was absolutely terrible. So uh, so I did just look it up and frame.io is going to be integrated into the X106. So that is going to be a positive as well. Massive disappointment. And I will hammer this home with every camera system, uh, especially a hot camera like this that everybody wants. No tracking if the camera gets stolen. I know that we're very limited on space and that space is a premium on this camera, but I, I would love to see uh, all manufacturers moving forward put tracking devices in their cameras. Unfortunately, Fuji did not put that in this and nobody tends to. <laughs> but uh, when you think about the fact that AirPods are a hundred bucks and they have tracking in them. And I have a story where I lost my AirPods in Space Mountain at Disney World. I pulled out, find my phone. I, I found the AirPods. I sent an email to Disney World and said, hey, my AirPods are in Space Mountain. And according to this map, this is exactly where they are. Two weeks later, uh, Disney World, free of charge, mailed my AirPods back to me and I got them. So kudos to Walt Disney World, uh, and kudos to Apple for getting that right. But if Apple can do that in $100 technology, there's no reason why Fuji can and all other major manufacturers can't just hire somebody, steal somebody from Apple, pay them, you know, quarter million dollars salary for a year to spearhead a team to get this technology there because it moves the camera forward. You know, there's there's discussions about, oh, cameras are, you know, are, are do people even need cameras anymore? Well, if you, if you, Keep archaic technology in them. That could move some people to phones faster. Now, I'm going to continue to shoot cameras, but I'd like to track a camera that has a comma in the price tag. That's just me. But back to the uh, the X106. So as I said, my thoughts on it are that it was a much-needed camera for the Fuji ecosystem. I, I think that it's going to sell very well. If you're a videographer, something that may disappoint you about this camera is that it has a one sub-mini TRS stereo microphone input. So if you're using a lav system, you can't just take your 3.5 millimeter jack and plug it in, or eighth inch as we call it here in the States, and just plug it into the camera. You have to get a 2.5 millimeter sub-mini to 3.5 millimeter adapter. So that's something extra and something tiny you're gonna have to carry with you if you decide that you do wanna do some vocal re voice recording with it. Uh, so keep that in mind if you're carrying around your lab and you're using this for any sort of uh, spoken uh, audio, which I may actually do. Uh, I may use this for that if I decide to get it. Uh, it does have a GPS built in via the smartphone. So I think in general, it's a cool camera. And I think that 
if you're the right person for it, you're going to love it. And who do I recommend? Uh, look at this camera. Man, if you're waiting for that X100V, get this instead. It's newer um, and it's got IBIS. Just for the IBIS alone, I, I pay the extra money. And going back to the thing about the manufacturing in China and all that, uh, inflation, the fact that it has IBIS, uh, I, I think that that alone uh, justifies a higher price tag. Maybe the fact that it's manufactured in China offsets it, but probably not really. And uh, we kind of did this to ourselves uh, in the secondhand market by inflating the price of the X100V so much that Fuji just like, well, if there are people going to sell theirs for $3,000, we'll sell ours for $1,600 instead of $1,399. So uh, it is what it is. And for those of you complaining about the price, I'll bet you Fuji keeps selling out of these. So uh, the joke's on us. You know, uh, they sell things for what the market will determine they will pay for it. And I guarantee you, Fuji's, Fuji's going to sell a ton of these. So, uh, yeah, it may be too rich for some of you, and I get it. But uh, I, I guess the, the, the question of the hour, uh, I think we're actually more at a half hour today, is am I going to purchase the X106? And the answer is yes. I, I put one on pre-order. It looks like they are shipping. Uh, the week of the 28th, we'll see. I'm going to Vegas for WPPI. I would love to do a review to start my initial impressions of this camera while I'm in Vegas. Uh, if it actually does ship the 28th, it'll show up February 1st, and I leave for Vegas on, I'm sorry, March 1st. It, it ships February 8th. It shows up March 1st, hopefully, and then I leave for Vegas uh, on the 3rd. Now, uh, it's two-day shipping, and uh, the the second is a Saturday, the third is a Sunday. So if it doesn't actually go out the 28th, I'm probably going to miss my window to take it with me to Vegas to start my review of it, but a review will be following shortly after. So uh, I just wanted to talk about the Fuji X106. Uh, obviously, we are all different photographers with different needs, so some of you may look at it and go, man, I'm not getting that. That's a ripoff, whatever. But uh, I've wanted a dedicated street photography camera for some time, and uh, this camera is that camera for me. That does it for today's episode. Uh, I thank each and every one of you for uh, listening to today's episode. Uh, F11pod.com is where you can find us. Uh, you go out your major uh, social media handles, F11Pod there as well, your Twitters and your uh, your Instagrams. So uh, we we thank each and every one of you. I know this is a very specific type of episode, but it's, it was about something that was near and dear to my heart, which is Fuji cameras. Uh, and until next time, chase light and not algorithms. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about this podcast, go to www.f11pod.com.